Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Friday. What you want? Pro Nola segment. Gus Cattengill joining me now. We will get uh, into some Masters talk in the 8 o'clock hour. Norman Locke in town. We'll be in studio in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll get you set up for what's coming up this weekend. But here to talk a little Saints and Pels now is... Gus Cattengill and uh, Gus, we talked last week about the final four heading to New Orleans and, you know, buzz or lack thereof or whatever. Got to tell you, man, um, I was there on Monday for the national championship and looking at just how it all, I would say overall huge success for the States brought a lot of money in and uh, it just felt like, you know, the big the big sports scene, the big sports events. New Orleans can host it as good as anybody. Yeah, no doubt. And I think you saw that reflected in a lot of people that covered the event, that posted, you know, photos. And just, you know, it matters. <laughs> it really does. And being able to, you know, walk to get your credential or, walk to all the different events, have those shuttles, and then kind of a short time span, be able to go to fan fest, the music fest. I think it's done really right, and I like how to use, you know, Walden Park over there on the river, and you have, you know, different, you can enjoy that, which a lot of people love, like French Quarter Fest, I do too. I mean, just that venue with the backdrop and having everything there is just, spectacular so the people that want to go to the quarter and experience everything that the quarter has you you know have that aspect of it you want to do the fan fest and family thing you have the convention center it's kind of it's over the part over there and then around the game it's just just easy it's easy to sort of get in around everywhere and like i said look i mean they got blessed it was absolutely gorgeous the weather wasn't too hot Never, you know, it wasn't human at all. It was perfect. And for people outside of here, it was probably beautiful, you know, weather-wise. But, you know, you get in the dome, and from the aspect of it, how the seats were, the decor there, the just they were. I don't know how to really put it. I mean, it, it was fantastic. I mean, it was, it was awesome to see. And then you had the schools that are a part of the sky. And, you know, I've never attended a UNC Duke game that was always on my bucket list to do it either to Chapel Hill or in Cameron. So it's about as close as I'm probably going to get to be able to see that and see those fan bases and what it meant to them. And you, you felt it. You saw it. And the game they put on on Saturday night was incredible. And, you know, waiting for an hour and 15 minutes in the parking garage to be to get out. <laughs> you could see the heartache for the Duke fans and the families, you know, I mean, it, it matters. It matters. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I was there Monday night, Kansas, UNC, the atmosphere, the fandom, the energy. Uh, it surpassed my expectations. You know, I've heard a lot of from, from friends of mine in the media that have sort of traveled to a lot of the big sporting events, Gus. They say the Final Four is one of their, maybe their absolute favorite. And I didn't really get it, but I think I do now. And I was only there for a day, the end of it, but... Um, I don't know. There's, there's, there's nothing quite like it, man. And then, of course, 
Luckily, we got uh, two out of three games were great. And then you had the Coach K storyline. I mean, if uh, if ever there was one you'd want to have back in New Orleans, uh, you got it. It was good. Good to see the city. Good to see the state reaping the economic benefits of that as well. It was fun. I mean, basketball is, is, is buzzing right now in the Crescent City, right? Uh, the Pelicans, you know, they don't have the nine seed locked up yet, but they do have the play-in locked up. Need to do a little work between now and Sunday night to make sure they get to host San Antonio next Tuesday. But um, the the interest, Gus, in the team right now, from here in Lafayette to certainly where you are, we've seen it, right? There have been, in the last 20 years, a lot of lulls when it comes to this franchise. A lot of sort of pockets of success where the interest peaks and then it goes away, right? I mean... The 0708 team, their first year back full time in New Orleans after two years in OKC for the most part after Katrina. You know, by the time the playoffs rolled around, the buzz was there. The next season started, season ticket sales on all time high. Local TV ratings at the time were on CST, which no longer exists, uh, were were one of the best in the league. The interest was there. And then, you know, slowly it waned, and then they sold the team, and then Chris Paul left, and then they had oh, they they win the lotto. It's A D, there's interest, and then you know, injuries and they're not good. Oh, now they're in the playoffs and then they get swept in a few years. Oh, now they sweep the Blazers and there's excitement. Oh, and now AD wants to leave. And oh, they get Zion and oh, and now he's hurt. And oh, now they're on their third coach in three years. And that is a very Cliffsnose version of what the, the last, I guess, 14 years have been like. But my point is this. My question, rather, is this. Is what we're seeing right now sustainable? And I imagine you're going to lean toward yes, and I think that's where some of the excitement's coming from because it it feels like it with Willie Green and you know Brandon Ingram, McCollum, and other guys buying in. Zion may be a different story. We'll see. But is this going to be just another kind of pocket of success, or is this sustainable? Because we've been down this road before, Gus. How is this different right now? It's not like this team has the same kind of record as the other teams I mentioned have. It just feels like they're starting something a little different right now, right? I agree, and I think the reason we even feel that way is because we've sort of been conditioned to victory, you know, and, um, you know, <laughs> kind of one of those running jokes I've got around here of, why can't we have nice things, or yeah. why can't we have something good happen to those, those teams and everything, and, you know, I just keep luck, fate, all that stuff, sure, moving dolls, whatever you want to look at it, um, all those things matter and help. I, I get that, but I think you can point to reasons why teams have either success, sustainable success, uh, or win championships. And I think you can, you know, kind of like if you're building the car, you know, the tires and the engine and all that stuff. And I think it starts with ownership. Then it goes to front office. You got to have people that um, know what they're doing for starters, make good decisions, scouting the department. Right? Notice I'm kind of essentially using the things as a reference here, okay? Then you got to find a coach that can do that as well, work with those people, have the same vision. Then obviously, you have to marry that coach with players, and in particular, have a player that I think got is an extension of what you're trying to do and who you're trying to be as an organization and culture. And I brought this up yesterday on our show about C.J. McCullough. 
maybe being that guy, I know because of names and because of, you know, whatever. Zion looked at as the franchise player and all that stuff. And B.I. this year kind of took over, made it a team again, and the importance he has on this team, buying in when to be here, being a leader, what he's done with little brother Jose Alvarado and all of that. But I kind of looked at C.J. on our show yesterday. Because the, the statement I was trying to make, Scott, to, to answer your question if it's sustainable, is could Billy Green be with Sean Payton? Now, I know it's early heading and finished the seat. And Sean is looked at in a certain way because of winning and because of what he's accomplished as a But when he first got here, he didn't have to do that much different than what really Green had to do in that, you know, Bill Parcells, he always used to tell the story of Parcells, told him, find out what's going and get rid of it. And the fact that you're asking that question, I'm not saying that you're being negative, but we're being conditioned to it. What else are we supposed to expect? You know, they had a good season with AD and Drew, and then he has to be traded the next year. So, yeah, Chris Paul, he was gone. So, I get it. But that's what you have to battle. That's what he's been fighting. Really, Green didn't have to just try to get the team to the playoffs, but establish a culture where that's not what people view them as. You know, I keep referencing in our show throughout the season, Memphis. I mean, how many people would wear Memphis gear or even know who those guys are outside of Memphis? This postseason, you're about to see. Because the second team, they're a really good team. If they get into the second round or further, they're going to start getting into that team. Again, winning, player that you can recognize, and culture can kind of get behind. So if I think it's sustainable, I have to look to see other things in play that I think it can continue to grow. More importantly, I think organic. You know, I mean, I was listening yesterday morning, Scott, to National ESPN Radio, and they talked about how Tyree and Kevin Durant have been playing 38 to 40 minutes this season and the games are played, and then those games are 500. Those never play, much less in the league, and but there's no chemistry with the rest of those guys. You see what's happening with the Lakers. So just marrying talent alone can get you wins or they get you what I think you need and see with the Fox. I think what you need and see with the Suns. And what I see with the Pelicans is a coach that has gotten guys to buy in. Started creating somewhat of a culture. You have players that have played the season not only buy in, but become leaders. Kind of shoulder to shoulder and arm in arm with And I go back to the importance of Jim McCullough. You had a guy in Drew Brees who, every chance he got, promoted the city, promoted the culture, promoted the environment. Yes, do I think he didn't feel that way? Sure. He's also a smart man. He's not the president of the Players Association for nothing. Scott. He knows. The quicker he changes that narrative, that this isn't the place you want to come to, that this isn't the place where ownership matters, that this isn't the place to have good coach, this isn't the place that you can win, he's never going to get free agency. He's never going to get other players to want to come. And I spoke to somebody this week 
Let's say when he was back in Portland, he was already talking to players today about recruiting for next year. So that is something they haven't had, a adult in the locker room. It's allowed Brandon to be challenged and also nurtured to continue to grow. He's heard Caesar since he's been here. He wants Frank Ingram to get better and to be selfish and to score. He'll play off of him. That's big. That's big for a guy that took over this team, helped him start winning games, and then you bring in CJ McCollum. He's probably thinking, okay, I, I got to play off of him. To have that guy say, I got you, I'm playing off of you, that helps. I think he's going to help grow in the tour zone. So, more importantly, he can make the green. He can be that go-between. He can be that guy who can go to Willie and say, hey, this is working, this is not working. Maybe this guy don't need the minute. You know, the guy's told me this. I think that's something Scott's team just hasn't had. And if they don't make that move for CJ, even if Sion plays it here, who is that voice? Who is that guy when you're down 23 second? take over and give the other guys believe that we can come back and win like they did against the Lakers a couple Sundays ago. Or who's that guy when the lead is swindling and it's club time, I got you, you know, things like that. So I think it is sustainable for the possibility of it being there, Scott, because you have a good coach in place, you have a veteran player in place, you still haven't seen the potential could be your best player. And if everyone buys in, which is what it sort of looks like you have. Now you just maybe ever find for the next couple of seasons and try to find the right mix. But you can't win a championship or be a consistent team, even if you go back to the Spurs. You had Parker, you had Duncan, but Mills and Green. You had so many guys that would hit a big three, would get a big rebound, would get a big steal, you come off the bench and provide some minutes. You have to have a good bench. You have to have guys that believe. And you've seen guys develop. You know, Jackson Hayes has developed. This is the beginning of Develop. You've seen him. Jones develop. You've seen him. So you're seeing other aspects that can help the team get better throughout the year. That's a sign of coaching. That's a sign of trust. And that's a sign of unselfishness that they, they don't care, or I wouldn't say care, but they can understand the process in order to get those men and, and not quit and, you know, not get down on yourself. So I think for all those reasons, Scott, I, I can say I do think it's sustainable because those are tangible reasons I can point to. You know, when we chat next week, there's a, you know, there's a good chance the season will be over. Um and, in fact, you know, if they win the play-in, they probably won't be favored in the second one, uh, where they'd likely have to go to L.A. to play the Clippers, maybe Minnesota to play the T-Wolves. And yet um, it just it feels different. And I hope I hope it is, Gus. I mean, I feel like we've been down this road before. We've been fooled before. Uh, but you just pointed to all the reasons that uh, it is different and why there's a buzz and why there's hopefully a sustainability to this thing. It's ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Uh, ESPN Lafayette, 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via Lafayette app. If you're listening via the stream, it is brought to you by Shop Pines Market on the Oil Center. Shop Pines going the extra mile. We're going to talk some Saints 
in the next segment with Gus. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, hit on the uh, Masters, what unfolded at Augusta yesterday. Uh, MLB opening day, we'll get Gus's thoughts on that in a little bit. That was yesterday, but the Saints, Brandon Cook's rumors, their trade to move up, what they're trying to do now, move with the Eagles, unpack. It's all coming your way. The Pro Nola segment continues right after this on the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Give me all you got. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. All right. If you, you want to know the real deal about the three, we're going to take it with triple trouble, y'all. We're going to bring you off the screen. Check it out. Because I'm a specializer, prime reviser, ain't selling out to advertisers. What you get is what you see. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports on a Friday. Give me all you got, Scott Prather, Gus Cattengale, Pronola segment, Gus. Uh, Monday, when I was um, heading to the national championship game, I got a text from a friend of mine that had Adam Schefter's tweets about the Saints trade with the Eagles, and his text simply was, why? And this will not surprise you, Gus. My initial reaction was, negative but i i think i think i've come around and i think i'm looking at it in a more objective way and maybe you can be the judge of this so i think the reason my initial reaction was negative is just because you know how i felt about what they've done to the offseason this point like to this point offensively they've added one piece a backup quarterback in andy dalton who also, by the way, by signing him when they did, takes away a likely third-round compensatory pick next year for Teron Armstead going to Miami. Like, nothing about what they've done this offseason on the offensive side of the football has made sense. So it's put me, as you know, in a negative state. But wanted to just sit back, and I, I was like, look, the Eagles probably definitely felt like they got the better end of this. I mean, they moved back two spots to get a first next year instead of a first this year, so they swapped that out. They still have two this year, and then they got an extra second, an extra third out of it. Not a bad deal. The reality is I, I, I'm guilty of it. I'm, you're guilty of it at times. I think it's okay to grade a trade when it's player for player or when it's player for team that's in a rebuild mode. When it's something like this, you got to wait to grade the trade because if the Saints hit on both first-round picks, it's fine. It's fine. If they miss on one of the two, they deserve criticism because everyone can say, well, you could have had the good one just staying where you went and you'd wasted next year's first rounder on this guy that didn't work out. And if, God forbid, they strike it on both first-round picks, then holy cow, it's just not going to be good. Time. Time will tell us that story, Gus. So in the meantime, it's as far as the gray goes, it's TBD, objectively speaking, what are they going to do with it? We'll see. But I want your initial thoughts when you heard about the trade and read about what it was. And then I, you know, did did your initial have your initial thoughts changed a little bit after you had some time to think about it like me? Where are you at with the Saints as far as their trade with the Philadelphia Eagles? Scott, 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 Scott. 
I need your address. I should have it already. Send me some wine. Maybe some practice. Things are relaxed. I, I, <laughs> I just said. So I'm, you, I'm just said. I'm waiting. Hit, I, you know. If if they don't hit on one of their drop picks, no, they got to hit on both of them. They miss on one of them. Okay. They deserve all the heat. There's, there's a high risk in any trial. at any pick by any team. Ask the Browns. Ask the Jets. I mean, how are they? The Bengals. Up until hit Burrow. No excuse. No excuse. How many quarterbacks did they pick? How many running backs? So it's never a guarantee. So I think it's tough to hold them too much to a certain fire. In a format in the thing that you look, it's a crutch. You're, you're assuming, you're hoping, you're trusting, you're scouting, you hope it pans out, you hope they don't blow out their knees, you know, in preseason. I mean, it, there's a lot for it to happen for a first round pick to actually pan out and be the type of impact player. So, I mean, even Burrow didn't finish his first season, right? So, I mean, it just, it's tough. So, I just gave you ammunition for your thoughts and feelings and argument last week. We're like, that's why you go after free agency. The free agency is a crapshoot. Where, as you've always said, you may be lucky sometimes and get a player bargain shopping or, you know, like Dennis Allen said two weeks ago, today, um, like last Wednesday, that, you know, Demario Davis is the type of guy that you go get. At that time, that move. It didn't move the NFL needle. It turned out to be one of the best moves to think of ever made in free agency. It was also a day one free agency move. I mean, you, it, they, they showed you how much they thought of it by how they did it. It wasn't right. like that was a late no, free I, agency sign. I, I understand. But remember this, Scott. This free agency period, they were waiting to see if Sean Watson was going to be their quarterback. Their left tackle was waiting to see if that was happening. I mean, you had a week and a half wait because you had other targets to do it. They did go after certain players that signed elsewhere. They just didn't overpay for them. So, you know, you can sit there and say, well, free agency is more of a known because you have game tape, you have stats, you have a history of what that player can and can't be. But sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So both things, free agency and the draft, um, and you can argue which one's more certain. There's both risks and both of them. And when I saw that trade, my, if I had to narrow it down to a word, as you said, the person that texted you that's why, mine was, um, yes, I, 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 that is a good deal. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you have three picks in the top 50 now. You... As I said to you last week, and when you come on our show, you do not always know what you're going to get. And since Jeff Ireland's been here in that scouting department, they've done a pretty good job, better than not. You know, if you start going in terms of percentages, they've got to be middle pack or higher, the Saints hitting on draft picks compared to other teams. Um, I understand what you're saying, though, 100%. Those guys have to be starters. They maybe argue they got to be impact players. They do. But, again, and some of those positions that you need, that in this draft are position groups 
where people are saying there are going to be impact players. So why overpay? Why reach out for a guy that I guarantee many people didn't know what Green Bay gets thirty million to go to Kansas City and get things fans upset. And that's left catcher from Traquan Smith. Like go get a guy in just for a rookie contract. Like you get Chris Olave, ain't nobody talking about the free agent wide receivers you don't get. That guy is really good now. Scott gotta beat him. I understand that. All these guys that you may want it's not guaranteed to be there. But you can move up. You can hope to see what's there. I think, honestly, you can stay put at 16 and 19 and get two players that I think can help you right now. I like it. Like I said, I yes, absolutely. It makes, makes sense. It's sensible. You're helping the money situation for the future, even though I know the Saints can still circumvent and do what they need to do when it comes to the cap. But... It just makes so much sense to me, man. Like, it just really does. And, you know, you're not alone. South Marlboro from St. Happy Hour Podcast and others I had on on the show this week to check in on them because they're they're all frantic that the Saints hadn't been making any moves. And he and other people this week, Scott, not only have changed their minds, they're starting to convince others or maybe themselves that, they're right there in the NFC mix all of a sudden. <laughs> a, week, a week ago, fire Mickey Loomis a week later. Well, why can't they? And that's what I've been saying. I, I said it two weeks ago, man. NFC South Division chance. I just, I just want you to play that back when you do it. I, I will. I will. And I, I just don't know how you can say it's a good thing when we just don't even know what they're going to do yet. I just I don't, I don't get yep. it. But he's confident, and um, I'm, I, I, I am being objective now I'm, I'm not being negative anymore guys i'm saying you know what let's, let's wait and see what they <laughs> do with go. these picks yeah, let's wait a happy and see medium, a happy medium just what? about uh, just uh kind of like uh a hopeful maybe or yeah. you know look I, I hear you man they got a lot of different questions that have to answer i, I they offensively but, they weren't good last year and, and right now they're not better they're worse that's just how that's that's I feel like that's factual and I don't feel like that's being negative now. Season then starts in September. That's right. That's why I said let me wait and see what they do with the draft and these picks they acquired and everything else. Um, here's the other thing too. Look, look, Tyron Matthew, Emmanuel Sanders, a bunch of these other receivers haven't signed yet. Um, I think a lot of teams, not just the Saints. I mean, you're seeing, you know, the Honey Badger tied to Pittsburgh, the Colts, Dallas, and they haven't signed them. And they have more money in the city. And they have that need as well. So, and, and all this, some of these other receivers. And you still got some names out there. So there's a reason um, for that's happening. I think teams are looking at this draft and, and seeing the possibility of what they have. And with that, I, I think because of that, they are just holding on and, and making sure they're going to get the guy that they want at the price that they want. And... You know when they're supposed to get them, right? Because it, it's not just the same with the hundred or some of the receivers like Sanders and others. I mean, you're seeing a lot of names out there. If you could just, if you just Google top, you know, NFL free agents, and you put in receiver, defensive back, or alignment, you got some names out there. You got some depth. So I think after the draft, you'll see some signings. I think right before the draft, you'll see some signings. And you know, the closer you get to camp, plus you got some of these vets that. Don't want to go through OTAs or anything like that. So, but I, I think the Saints will fill the holes in the spots that they need 
I, I just keep going back to this. And, and maybe this will help, Scott. Sean Payton absolutely always planned ahead, right? I mean, you'd agree with me on that, that they're not just sitting here today going, oh, no, we are, uh, um, you know, safety, who's going to be our receiver, or who's going to be all of that. There, there's a board that Sean Payton referred to all the time about, you know, having guys ready during the season. That's why he always worked out players on Tuesday to have that board of players ready. So, again, I can't imagine that Dennis Allen walked in, grabbed that board, or grabbed that philosophy and tossed it aside. So this team is prepared. I think for the possibility of losing Williams and Armstead, they're prepared for who's going to be at tackle, they're prepared for the draft, they're prepared for guys that they're going to call, they've worked out players, they've had visits. And I guess that's just what I keep holding on to. This, this isn't the Falcons. This isn't some team that just, hey, what are we doing today? I, I, I think part of Dennis Allen's sell to Nicky Lewis was, here's my vision, here's my plan, and potentially what we've been doing. So what they've been doing is what I just said. They've always planned for people. They've found a way with the next movie to have guys that can step up and step in. They've scouted well. They've drafted pretty decent. And they do a good job of creating an environment where they can figure it out. And that's enough for me to believe that, you know, they got a shot, I guess. You know, I'm not ready to put them in the Super Bowl, but um, they definitely got it to uh, to at least be competitive. And, and I guess that's as good as I can give it to them right now. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, Gus Kagan. You know what? Let's let's make a let, let's think of this again. I'll give you all week. Next Friday when we talk, give me um, a, a ranking: fifteenth, sixteenth, twentieth, whatever. Where where you think the Saints' offense should be or will be? And if they're higher than that, then you know, then I win the bet. We'll figure out what that bet. Sounds is. good to I, me. I so sounds good to me. Than, oh, but I think, I think, I think we I think we have to agree on a line. Right Otherwise, I'll just say first. We all know that's not going to happen. No, so no, I'll no, I'll go into no. it with I'll go into it open minded. I won't I won't try to I'll try to wiggle no, my right way. Right now, out. you got them at thirty two. I mean, they're going to be better than the last. I don't know, man. I, oof, <laughs> they might not be. All right, we'll see. <laughs> that is Gus Kang. Yo, Gus, appreciate it, man. Have a great weekend. We'll talk next week. Always a pleasure. All right, stay tuned. The uh, the Trollmaster is back. Norman Locke in studio next hour. We'll also dig into the Masters as well. That was Gus Kattengill. Wanted to talk a little MLB with him. We didn't have time, but we always appreciate him coming on the show. Great Scott show continues after this. Plus, spring game for UL is this Saturday. We'll circle around back to that. A lot to get into. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN. Take it in sports.